Curiosity. What are you so curious about? Everything. Mr. Curiosity. All right, folks, Joe Snedeker here. Mr. Curiosity is my podcast. And uh, listen, I've been doing this for three years. We've had a lot of different types of people. We've had other, quote, rock stars, but I'm a little nervous. I got, I got my true blue man crush going on here. It's Pete Palladino of the Badleys. I mean, Pete, uh, here, what's going on, buddy? here's the deal. Uh, you know, I'm a happily married man, 30 years, but yet, uh, you know, I see you, I see you perform. I'm like, that guy I admire, he's energetic, he's youthful, he's rock star, and there's something there. I can't contain it. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. You know, uh, I don't know. I stand on stage and it's just like, you know, you're a vessel and, uh, you know, we're very, very lucky that we could still do this and and still be good at our jobs and, you know. That is a gift for us to be able to do that and, and well, to, to share that with people. Well, come on. If the Rolling Stones and the Who can still be doing this, you guys are youthful compared to uh, what's still out yeah. there. But, you, you know, know? Our, thing was, our thing was this. It was like, you know, we've been doing this since 1990, right? So right. Um, when, you know, when we got together and we started chatting about playing shows again and, and doing things, it was like, you know, we're either going to be moving the ball forward and we're going to still be great at our job and can like do this very well and execute at a high level or like, let's just let it be. You know, I don't want to, I, none of us wanted to kind of tarnish the things that we've accomplished, um, you know, and so that was kind of like, you know, those were broad strokes. And then we started playing shows and, you know, that spark was still there. And I think, um, you know, the first couple of shows that we did were at, um, you know, down in, in Hershey, uh, this place called the Inglewood. And okay. um, I got to tell you, they were like some of the best shows of our career. And so that was really super encouraging. That's how I felt when I saw you recent. Like, these guys are doing the yeah. best ever. But we got to back up. We got to go all the way back. back. Uh, you know, first of all, the name, The Badleys. I don't know if you get these questions all the time, but it's a cool name. What's the origin of the name, The Badleys? So the band existed before I joined the band. They were a band that was named after this fictitious character, Bad Lee White. Right? Oh. So, um, that was, I think Ron was in the band, uh, Jeff was in the band, and they had then done some recording uh, with Brett. Brett had joined the band. Um, and so that they were playing under Bad Lee White for a while. Oh, I met I these guys when I was at Susquehanna University um, and we were all kind of working. I was doing an internship at Susquehanna Sound, which is, uh, that was the recording studio that everybody was working at. Um, you know, we just formed a, a friendship over the love of uh, super hot food and music and just decided, you know, we were going to play some music together. And uh, it kind of was just this organic thing where they were looking for somebody to join them as more of a lead singer. Yeah. Um, you know, at, at that point, I don't think I was very, very good, um, but they saw something that I guess I didn't. And so we started playing together. Everybody had called the band the Badleys. And so when I joined the band, it was kind of like, you know, what, let's change the names to signify there's something a little different going on here. Um, you know, it, it really doesn't mean anything. They got to call you something, right? Well, that's so. great. I mean, that's the most organic, natural band name ever, right? I mean, it just started on its own. It's sometimes when it's yeah. forced and you get 10 people sitting around going, hey, here's my list and here's your... This is natural, organic. I love it. Yeah, you know, it. we've always told people it's like it, it files our records close enough to the Beatles and the band that we were always happy with that. Oh, I love it. I love it. Well, you mentioned in your in your intro right there, Ron, see, here's the deal. There's a guy at WNEP who went to school with Ron. Oh, nice. And that's my connection to you. I go, you gotta get, you gotta get Pete's email for me. Now, this is no offense to Ron, Brett, Alexander. I know the other band members, they're there and they're great musicians, and you guys are like glued together. But uh, again, and that that term front man, it comes with a like a, a little ego status. I mean, you don't like that. But my point is, I saw you. Many times I'm thinking, I got to talk to him. I need this guy. No offense to anybody else. I need this guy. You inspire me. Uh, you know, I think that's very kind. You know, like, <clears throat> since the day I was born, 
uh, and wanted to do this. It's like, I, I have always wanted to be part of a pack and part of a group and part of like, you know, the, what, what is so special about the Badleys is that it is, uh, it is a group effort like, like none other. And I think that that's witnessed in when you take, um, you know, all of us outside of that, the confines of that, it's just, it's still very good. It's just very different, you know, um, you know, my solo career or like stuff with any of the other guys have done is like, it is, it's just different. There's something magical that happens when the five of us stand in a room and make music together. And, yeah, and I think a lot of bands say that, be, you know, you know, I don't think we'd be sitting here talking if it weren't for, you know, for Brett's songs and for, you know, the, the, the rhythm section of Brett and Ron and like the harmonies that Jeff and I create together. So it's like, you know, that is something to be super proud of, you know, and uh, I, I think I'm certainly the most outgoing guy in the band, I, I guess, you know, so um, I, yeah, I have you, see, you seem that way in the energy. I mean, because I'm told I'm an energetic guy. So maybe it's like minded people just connect. You know, you just you're up. Yeah, there. Yeah. It looks like you're 20 years old. You're moving. You're I, lo I love seeing bands. Collective Soul is one of my favorite bands. Right. They're happy. They're performing. They're putting on a show and everybody's having a good time. And you contrast that with, and I love the band Wilco too. And I yep. went to see them a while back. And again, I'm not being negative towards them, but they were just <laughs> stoic, serious musicians. And I'm like, oh, and I, you know, different, different types of shows for different people, but I want energy. I want positivity. And that's what I get from you and the band. Yeah. But I want to go back. So where are you a native of? You a Northeastern Central PA guy or no? I'm not. I grew up in northern New Jersey. Oh, uh, this is over then. It's over. It's done. You have no connection. I'm out of here. Jersey right. guy. I was, come on. Uh, kind of found Pennsylvania through, I went to Susquehanna University. Yeah, you were saying, oh, okay, so, so oh, interesting. That's how I met everybody else, right? So I was out in Sealands Grove, Pennsylvania doing my thing uh, and just wandered into this studio as kind of an internship. Uh, and, you know, the rest is history, I guess. So who then in the band are, are the rest of the guys from the area locally, mm -hmm. pretty much? I'm Brett is. I mean, Ron, Ron grew Brett up in, um, in McAdoo, I guess that's uh, up yeah. there. Brett, uh, Brett Susquehanna Brett. County, I think, or Bradford County. Yeah. Yep. Um, you know, he was from, Brett was from Canton, PA. Yeah. Um, Bradford. I think Jeff grew up down south, closer to Harrisburg area, um, you know, Marysville, somewhere around, you know, down south, yeah. Paul's from out there um, as well. So, yeah, I mean, like all of us kind of found Central PA to be home. And it was a great place to hub out of when we were first doing what we were doing because we could live there inexpensively and kind of still get to all these metropolitan areas, you know, New York and Philadelphia and out to Pittsburgh and out to Harrisburg, you know, and it was a great place to just do our thing. Oh, great point. This is now, now you're taking away from the purpose of this podcast, Northeastern PA. I'm the meteorologist. It's the TV station I'm doing this for. And I got the only guy not from Pennsylvania from the band here. <laughs> hey, you wanted to talk to me, dude. I'm just kidding. No, it's, it, you're adopted in. You're one of us now. You're one of us. I've spent a lot of time there. You know, it's like I went to school there when I was 21 years old. Right? That counts. That You're in. You're in. You know, and then, you know, you're. You, I just kind of stayed. So <laughs> that's what no, I'm, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I got you. here. Call me uh, uh, shallow with my music. I, I am definitely not. But here are the top Pennsylvania mm -hmm. bands, in my opinion, rock bands, the Hooters, Holland Oates, Love the Hooters, Holland Oates, Todd Rundgren. Oh, yeah. And the Badleys. That's my list. It's over. Now, I know others are going to say, what about Breaking Ben? What about Fuel? What about Live? But no, these are my top, and I put you right up there with the Hooters, Todd Rundgren, and uh, Hall & Oates. You're right there with me. So that's why well, this that is, is That is an honor. I think, you know, like Darrell <laughs> Hall is like one of the best singers of all time. Yep, um, yep. That's a pretty good list to be on, so thank you. Excellent, excellent. All right, so Pennsylvania uh, uh, Hall of Fame, Central PA, what does that thing mean? What, I mean, that happened a few years ago, right? Your guys are inducted. What, what does that even mean? It does that. You know what? Um, Wonderful gentleman down uh, towards Harrisburg, uh, you know, put together this Central PA Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, our music hall of fame. And, um, you know, who knew, right? It's nice to get a phone call and say, hey, you guys have been uh, been inducted. We'd like to induct you into this hall of fame. And it was like, 
wow, I think I think we were all floored by the the honor and just even being considered. Okay. Um, you know, it's like being in a band is very insular. So, you know, you really you're in it, you know, so you don't really realize how it affects those around you. And even when, you know, even at like, you know, when we were touring and, you know, and, and on MTV and VH1, it's just like, you're still in this bubble, you know, you still exist in this vacuum. So it's very yeah. difficult to kind of have any sort of, you know, view of what really is going on. You know, there's no point of reference because you're just surrounded by your team. Um, you know, so, when you see that the things that you've done connect to people uh, and it has some sort of lasting effect, that always is humbling. And so it was an awesome honor. Awesome honor. I love it. All right. So let's go back and do a little history uh, of you guys. That's what I'd like to do in starting in 1990. But yeah. for anyone out there who is, is listening and they're like, I heard of the Badleys. What's it like? Maybe, maybe you were in your own world and you didn't really dive deep in, in the nineties and beyond. You guys are called roots rock. Uh, or Americana. I mean, I, I can throw you in with bands like uh, The Wallflowers, Old 97, yeah. Cracker, Paul Westerberg, Hootie and the Blowfish. You know, the list goes on. Tom Petty, right? Don't you think mm -hmm. you guys are all like, it's my favorite genre. It's sing-along. Yeah. It's, 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 it's got a good up vibe to it. It's just great stuff. You know, it, it's radio-friendly it but edgy. Yeah, I mean, it's the sound of the five of us. And so I don't think any of us sat down and, you know, said we're, we're only going to write these kinds of songs. We're only going to perform these kinds of songs. I think it just organically fell into that niche by the fact that we use a lot of traditional acoustic instruments. Um, you know, there's still a lot of electric guitars and all sorts of stuff. But, yep. um, you know, certainly the acoustic and the electric guitar, just the the you know, the, the, the layering of all that stuff on some of our earlier records just kind of puts you, puts you there. You know, I think uh, we've certainly tried over the course of the last 30 years to, to push what that meant and what the Badleys were sonically. Oh, it definitely um, evolved. It definitely evolved. I can see it from album to album. That's what I got to ask yeah. you about. I love it. Yeah, and I think that that's, you know, we just want to create art that is, that is um, you know, satisfying for us to make. Um, you know, that we feel has some staying power and that can stand up against some of those guys that are our heroes and our girls that are heroes. It's like, you know, you, you talk about Tom Petty. It's like, there's a band, you know, that that we look up to. And it's just like, you know, if you could model your career after somebody, it would certainly be those guys. You know, they've been able to create not only, um, you know, music that I think is really important and honest and, you know, has has staying power but it's just like was also very radio friendly and you can sing along to it exactly. you know I, I think that's the whole thing you know for us it's like you want people to sing your songs you know what i mean there's nothing wrong with somebody being able to hum along to your song after hearing it one time but you don't want to be a sellout and a fake either so i know it's a it's an impossible battle sellout and fake i mean i think that like <laughs> you know that is a bit of a moving target you know what is <laughs> uh you know when people sell a lot of records, it's like instantly they're, they're labeled a sellout, you know, it's like, but it connects to a lot of people. And it's like, who knows? Um, you know, for us, it's like, if we feel like we were doing something that was dishonest to our core values and the things that were important to us, you know, then of course, you know, uh, if it wound up selling, I think that we would feel like that was a shallow victory, you know, but any of the things that we put on records that we feel strongly about, you know, that connected with people, that that's an honest win and that feels good shallow victory i love it perfect i'll <laughs> i'll say something like foreigner their first three four albums outstanding and then they started yeah. i think pandering with the love ballads and it became insincere and it went off a cliff in my opinion but you know when what you're I mean? chasing yeah i think when you start chasing uh whatever it be the dollar signs yeah. or you know things that you feel you know, when you start chasing radio, I think that that's a losing battle, um, you know, because radio is super fickle and, you know, it's nice. Like when I look at Petty, right, like Tom Petty has just created all these songs that radio kind of chased him. That's a classic example. You're right. Yes. Yeah. And so that's what we always tried to do, you know, and for us, it was like we were never the popular kids and like, you know, the cool kids. It's like we were just trying to create, you know, make these records that we felt uh, 
could stand on their own that were kind of timeless, um, you know, and even going back and like listening to a bunch of these songs over the past, you know, couple of years for, for all of us to try to relearn and, um, you know, get back in that groove. Uh, I was pleasantly surprised. I don't know if this comes as a surprise to you. I, I don't listen to a lot of our music, uh, mm. <laughs> you know, um, but dude, I gotta tell you, I was like really proud of the stuff that we've done. And like, there are some of those things that I think I would put on now and be like, that stands the test of time. Yes. Good Good yes. Job. And that's what I find frustrating for you guys. If you go up to a hundred random people of various age and say, Hey, you ever hear of Tom Petty? Yes. You ever hear of John Cougar Mellencamp? Yes. You ever hear yeah. of, of, uh, of the wallflowers? Yes. But if you say the badlies now it's shrinking down and I don't mean to be, uh, uh, you know, feelings hurting anywhere here but i'm just saying it's the no, truth but yet you are and you're going to deny this but you guys the badlies stand with all of those artists i just mentioned with your song catalog and i mean that and that's what bothers well, me you know it's like you can't control how people consume music you can't I, control know, what connects to people uh, it's unfair uh, unfair you know <laughs> like life right <laughs> yeah it's like look uh, I think, that, you know, we're, we're, it's a very frivolous uh, conversation we're allowed to have right now. It's just like what's fair in life. But, you know, for us, um, once it leaves our hands, you know, like what happens to it out there in the, in the universe is like out of our control. And it's just like you can pine over it and you can get frustrated or you can just say, you know what, I I'm proud of, you know, the the sonics there i'm proud of the lyrics i'm proud of the recording i'm proud of the performance uh anything else is just kind of up to the universe i guess but there's got to be a part of you thinking yeah i'd like to have three homes and 750 million in the bank i mean there's that, that's just sure. <laughs> yeah i mean i'd like to look the music business i think if you go into the music business trying to make a million dollars you know you're eternally going to be frustrated except you for know, a few it's like, it's like you know you have to be um, here's the way I view it, right? Music business is like this. You have to be ready. You've got to be good at your job. You have to have great songs. You've got to be great performers. And then you have to get struck by lightning. So I agree. I agree. Yeah. It's all chance. Know, it's that like, last part is chance. Yeah. All that stuff is just out of our control. And so the things that are within our control, you know, we try to be really good at. And that's, I think that that, you know, if you, you tile that back, to the way that we always approach to what we wanted to do was that's why, um, you know, these guys created their own recording studio and became really good producers and became, you know, we wanted, we In didn't your want hands, your own desk. Right, we didn't want to have to rely on anyone else to create uh, and to do the things that we do to make yep. records and put records out to tour. We kind of, from very early on, we were like, we are going to circle our wagons and make sure that we can do this no matter whether we have a record deal, whether we don't have a record deal, whether this person likes us, we're still going to be able to do what we do. And that was really important to us. And I think that's why we're still able to make music now. And you're kind of referring to Saturation Acres, correct? Like your own studio, your own yeah, Brent area. Paul, um, Brent and Paul started a, a recording, um, like a production company studio called Saturation Acres yep. um, a while ago. And both those guys are awesome producers and, you know, have worked with, you know, they're the guys that did the first Breaking Benjamin record, um, you know, and have worked with like a ton of other wonderful artists throughout Northeast PA. And, you know, I've kind of carved out this little niche for themselves of like, you know, production guys, you know. And so now Paul has a, um, a studio, um, you know, down in Northumberland, which is coincidentally the studio that we all met in. Um, yeah, right. That's going to sound uh, you know, and he's doing some wonderful stuff down there and that's kind of where we hub out of and rehearse out of. And so, you know, it's nice to be able to just, if we decide to do a record. It's not like, you know, you need to book studio time anywhere. It's just like, basically you go and you do a record. And that was a yeah, great let's thing. Let's go about, to our own studio and let's start this. Right. I love it. Yeah, like when Brett and Paul had saturation acres, um, you know, if the mood strikes you, you just do records and you just record stuff and you create art. I love it. Well, let's take a little roll on that uh, roller coaster up and down. Not that it's down, yeah. but, you know, I guess the arc. 1990, the first mm -hmm. album, uh, It Ain't For You. Uh, I, I admit it's not, it's it's the beginnings, you know. It's not one of my uh, go-to badlies recordings. You know, you got to, um, 
you got to flex and see what works. Um, yep. You know, that is like, I think I listen to that and it's like, you know, you, you cringe a little bit because we were, so it ain't for you. I was probably 21, 22. Okay. That's like, I don't, um, yeah, it was a, it was a good practice run at like, you know, making records. And that was the first time that like, you know, I had really made a, a serious record, uh, done any recordings in like serious studios. And um, so, yeah, it was a good, I think it was a, a, a fine first step. I want to, that you just reminded me now. So with, with your vocal, those golden pipes of yours, did, did you have that past or just one of those things you discovered through your teenage years? Do you come from a genetic background of singers and sound? No, I mean, my... The fact that I can sing at all, it was completely just manifested um, when I first started playing music in high school, my, all my high school bands, um, I was the drummer. And so that really? was I first did, and we could never find a singer. And so finally, I was like, you know what? It's easier to find a drummer than it is a singer. I'm just going to be the singer. And, you know, and I was horrible. It was like, you know, just I was trying to be Bono and trying to be uh, <laughs> Robin Zander from Cheap Trick. Um you know, I know, look at that shirt. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, you know, and so it, I, I wasn't good, but I think the intent was there. And so you just keep, you know, I just kept working on that. And, um, you know, kudos to to Brett, because I think as we got into the Badleys, he was very good at directing me oh, and okay. coaching me how to be a better, how to be better at my job, how to be a better singer, um, you know, and I took a lot of vocal lessons, you know, and I think it's not until later records that I think that I would be proud to say, okay, you know, that's what I do. That's a great representation of what I do. That's um, hard to believe because it seems so natural. I am not patronizing you. The voice to no. me is one of the top 10 rocker voices of all time. Have you ever been mm -hmm. like to, it's like a Darius Rucker, maybe. Do you ever hear that before? It has a little bit of that in there from who? Yeah, because I think we're, we're, both we both have baritone uh, yeah okay right that you know i was certainly i listened to those early records and i all i hear is like i was really trying to find my way yeah i guess right out, you know i didn't i didn't really have a strong identity on those early recordings of who i was you know as a as a singer as a vocalist so you know that's why i cringe you know it's <laughs> just a personal cringe uh, everybody cringes at their past yeah you know I, look I, I love the fact that they're there because it's like how many people do you know have a great snapshot of where they were at 21 years old, you know, 22 years old. It's like, that's pretty awesome. Um, yeah. you know, and I think later records, certainly, um, you know, when we did up there down here, I think that was, um, I'm proud of some moments on that record and like, you know, renew, well, well, I really think was great. Well, I was going to say, let's skip to 92 diamonds in the coal. Like a Rembrandt is an awesome song. Yeah, that was great. I think, Brett started to hit his stride in songwriting there, um, you know, and really got to, um, you know, stretch a bit production wise uh, in the studio. Uh, there's some good stuff. There's we some great stuff. Listening to like, you know, went back and listened to that. And Spending uh, my inheritance. Great. I mean, there's great stuff there. So we are in the process of, of uh, I can't say we, Paul and, and Brett, mostly I think, um, those guys are working on taking that record apart, remixing it, remastering it. Oh, I love um, it. So they've got these tracks isolated and Paul brought them up to the studio and just, you know, the performance is there. It's like, it sounds great. And that was us just creating uh, and just doing our thing and finding out who we were as a band. So, well, let's talk. Could I, could I talk about Brett behind his back? Or you don't want yeah, to do that. <laughs> He's going to listen. I'm just kidding. No, he seems to me like this brooding, quiet guy. And, I, you know, when I see him on stage, I, I'm hearing he's the engineer. I'm hearing he's the songwriter. I'm hearing he's all that. Is he one of those guys that comes up with the ideas, comes up with the lyrics, but doesn't want to be the guy to set them on fire? Or, you know what I mean? Is yeah, it I think that, like... Um you know, in the confines, within the confines of the Badleys, like what the Badleys had become was, um, you know, Brett's songs being fronted and sung by myself and Jeff, you know, and like 
the this awesome rhythm section and and like a rock solid band uh, with Brett and Paul, uh, you know, and Ron back there. Um, you know, I listen to Brett's songs, and I gotta tell you, like, this is no BS. It's like I think Brett is one of the best songwriters that I've ever heard. I agree. Um, you know, those agree. those songs, like, you know, it's very daunting because I'm also a songwriter, and um, you know, and with my solo stuff, it was like. You know, putting my stuff up against Brett's stuff, I was like, well, that's a piece of crap. That's a piece of crap. You know, so it was very difficult. And so when I go back and I listen to some of those songs and I like, you know, those lyrics, it's just there's some real brilliant stuff. And I'm really proud to be associated with that. So, you know, Brett, Brett is the guy that is in his head that is making sure that before it comes out of his mouth, it's fully formed. You know, and so and that is also the way I think he feels about songs. And so, you know, he's crafting and wants to make sure that it is it is brilliant before he kind of sets it out there for people to see and and to be judged. Um, You know, there's a strategy, there's a complexity, there's a perfection that he wants. Yeah, 100 percent. Like, you know, Brett is 100 percent artist and is is all of that. And so I think that. You know, that is the Badleys have certainly been richer for having, you know, Brett as the primary songwriter and, um, you know, the guy that was kind of leading the charge. Because sometimes I think the rest of us, I can speak for myself, I, sometimes I think I lost uh, our way a little bit and couldn't see the forest for the trees when, you know, when it was 1995 and we were in the middle of record deal craziness and, you know, and touring and all that sort of stuff. And it was like, um, you know, Brett not being, you, you know, that the, the front guy was able to kind of, you know, zoom back and say, okay, I think this is what's best. You know, I think, that, you know, and, and steer the ship a little bit. Well, you mentioned 95. Here comes the magnum opus, River Songs. I mean, come on. So what yeah. was the big turning point? What made that so magical? Uh, it was a moment, you know, what made it magical? I don't know. You know, we were, we had done this record, um, you know, when we were making records and starting to do our thing, you know, like I said, we were all very self-contained, okay. um, rehearsing every other day, you know, sometimes, you know, four times a week and then playing, uh, you know, four or five days a week. We just got in it and we were like, we got to be, uh, you know, really good live band and, we were just uh, hitting our stride, I think, with some of those songs. Um, we did this record down in Harrisburg at a place called The Green Room. Was that a change? Uh, it was. Yeah. Yeah, it was a change. Um, I can't remember exactly why we chose The Green Room. Um, you know, we had known uh, Gentleman Bob, who had owned The Green Room for quite some time. Um, you know, wonderful people. They had this awesome desk down there that just sounded great and the, the recordings that they had done there sounded really good and so we were able to get in there and just like do our thing you know why was it uh lightning in a bottle i don't know it just wound up being uh, a great snapshot of a moment of a band kind of you know approaching just being really good at what they do angelina coming home fear of falling i like you better when you hated yourself so this all explodes do i have your history right is this when you become more national or was it even yeah i think we had always come from the, you know, the roadmap of we're going to do our records, we're going to sell our own records, and we are going to go out there and get radio airplay and build this thing to a point where people can't ignore us anymore. And by people, I mean record companies. Okay. Because at the time, you know, there was no really breaking into a national, um, you know, a national format without being on a major label. Yeah, but so, up until then, weren't you just touring mainly local, or, or I have it wrong? Like, yeah, we were, were touring, we were touring regionally. Um, regionally, okay. You know, but to kind of break out of that, you needed the support of a major label, and so um, we were just going to do things ourselves and get it to the point where nobody could ignore us anymore. And that is '95, so, correct? Correct. And so and we put that. out River Songs by ourselves, um, radio airplay touring, selling out shows, selling a bunch of records, and all of a sudden, you know, you get the attention of, uh, of people. And um, one of our friends, Fred Shade, who was, uh, had done radio promo for A&M, 
All right. Um, you know, was awesome. Giant fan of the band and w- helped us get on a lot of radio stations, um, you know. And I think when you start taking ads away from uh, from some of the major labels where they're not going to, a radio station's not going to add one of their songs because they're adding this local band from Sealand's Grove, all of a sudden, you know, that starts to get uh, people's attention. Or oh, see the dirty, dark side that i rather not know. You're, yeah, very oh, interesting, right? Very up there. So, so um, if you have Columbia Records or such, they're going to push. Where if you're not on with them, there's no push. You got to push yourself, and now you're pushing against a force that's monolith. Yeah, hundred percent. You know, and so we were just. Um, I think people saw something in those songs that um, you know saw how it connected to the to the audience, uh, the radio audience. Saw how it connected to people in the clubs. And, you know, we were just doing our thing again, very insulated, you know, because you're in it. It's like, OK, great. When we play these songs and all of a sudden, you know, the clubs are playing are getting bigger and there's yeah. a line at the door. And like, you know, that was always the goal. So when it starts to happen, you're like, oh, shit, great. <laughs> you know, you felt great. it. I mean, you definitely felt the surge with that album. You're like, something's going. This is this is it. And it happened like quick. We was were... it weeks, months. I mean, it, it, just... no, it, was, it was very gradual. It was gradual I... up until the point that you know, the major label started sniffing around and then that <laughs> fire of, um, you know, perception uh, is kind of, you know, larger than life. And so, you know, we had, I think we, we did a ton of showcases for Columbia, uh, for A&M, for um, Atlantic. Uh, and so finally, you know, we, we reached a deal with, um, it was Polygram, Polydor, uh, at yep. Atlantic, Polydor A&M, uh, we were on Atlas Records, which was a subsidiary of A&M Records. Okay. Owned by uh, you know, and so they were great people. They flew us out to L.A. We um, met everybody out there and they did their whole dog and pony show and just, um, you know, felt like we were in a good spot with them. And so they liked our record so much that um you know they just decided we don't really want to change anything we're going to maybe uh mess with the order of songs just to you know swap a couple songs around and literally slap their name on it put it out original artwork original you know everything beyond just doing that we had some remixes done um by bob clear mountain and you know we were off to the races i mean you had to be here in your 20s you're being flown out to California, music being played across the nation. Is this when you're touring with uh, Bob Seger, Jimmy Page, Gin Blossoms? This is when all yeah. that's happening? This is when all that's happening, yeah. I mean, I think it's awesome. Well, give me some stories. What's that like? I mean, it was like, you know, you're just, every day was hopefully a progression of getting further along in your career goals than the day before. And so, you know, was there any day where you sat there and, you know, stood up and said, we're here. You're never there. You're, you're never there. You're in the whirlwind of it. You're always chasing what's next, you know. And so yeah. um, I'm not going to lie. Like, you know, one of our first uh, opening gigs as uh, when, after we signed with, um, you know, our booking agent was he got us to open up for Page and Plant in Buffalo, New York. And that was just like, you know, that was daunting. It was pretty awesome. Uh, so you meet Jimmy Page, nice guy. Did he appreciate you guys? What's that like? No, we didn't meet anybody. It was oh, like, you didn't even you know, meet the what? No, he's like, you know, those guys, uh, it was awesome. They zoom up in a limo, they hop out, they play their show, <laughs> they go back in the limo, and they're gone. You know? Jerks! Jerks! You know? Jerks! No, they're awesome. No, thing. I'm just it kidding. Was, but I it was great. Funny. What a great experience, like, to go up yeah. there and start to play, you know, these, um, you know, these arenas and these big rooms and then touring with. Um, you know, with Bob Seger and Greg Allman and getting, I got to sing with Greg Allman, you know, which was like, you know, that was pretty awesome. Yeah. How did that happen? At the same, like on the same, same. Yeah. We were on the the River Songs tour. We were on the River Songs tour. And so, um, and I remember uh, Phil Ernst, who was our booking agent at the time, um, you know, called us up and said, look, Greg Allman would like to take you guys out as the, uh, as his opening act. And I remember, Brett and I went for a walk that night. And but so, may I ask, how does that happen? 
Who decides that? Does the band say, I know this new upcoming band, let's get them or their agent or the record company? How, do, how does one choose an opening act? How does that happen? Well, I think in that situation, it was, you know, Phil was very friendly with, um, you know, with his manager, with Greg Allman's manager and oh, okay. got him so, the record. You know, you. and so like, as Brett and I were chatting, it's like, you know, it was pretty awesome. Yeah. And he's like, we're like, I remember Brett saying to me, you know, it seems pretty evident that like Greg Allman would have had to at least listen to this stuff and say, you know, <laughs> yes, I like it. Yeah. It's, like, it's pretty cool to know that like Greg Allman is listening to your stuff. Um, <laughs> so we get to go out and we did like, um, I think it was like a couple months with Greg Allman, which was like awesome, you know? So Greg Allman slurs a lot, right? So when he speaks, always slur, he's Greg Allman every night. You know, and we are like in our glory. We're just like meeting one of our heroes and getting to hang out with him every yeah. night. He's in the dressing room and we're hanging out. So Greg Allman, um, you know, the first night, um, you know, we're talking about like he wants to, to, to jam with us. And so we're just like absolutely 100 <laughs> percent. And this was at like we the, the tour opened in um New Orleans. We were at the House of Blues in New Orleans. Okay. And I remember standing back there and just being like you know, uh, chatting with Greg and, you know, like you're trying to find some common ground to talk about, you know? And so he's like, you can't really understand what Greg Gallman's saying. So he's just like, <laughs> we're always waiting every night. We'd be waiting for him to ask us. It's tonight. The night he's going to ask us to get up on stage. So, uh, you know, did he just, did he just say ham or did he say jam? One night we're hanging out and he, uh, <coughs> He's like, what do you think we play uh play Storm on Monday? You want to sing? And I was like, absolutely, dude. Let's do it. Oh, I he's love like, it. Oh. He's, like, he's like, all right, you I'll sing the first verse, you sing the second verse, and then we'll trade on the third verse. And I'm like, <laughs> dynamite, awesome. So he leaves, and I'm like, does anybody know Storm on Monday? Right? <laughs> <laughs> Thank God our uh, our A and R guy had gotten us a box set, uh Allman Brothers box set, which just happened to be in our van. Dude, I ran down to the van. I put on Stormy Monday. I listened to it about 15 times. I wrote the lyrics <laughs> on my hand. But, and I remember we were in Atlanta and I go out and uh, and it's just like, it's a little bit of a blur because my adrenaline is just going. And yeah. I just, you know, you're looking at my hand and uh, it, it was it was pretty awesome. That's awesome. Thing. Yeah. Well, I guess yeah. you can't like just Google it or YouTube it, right? There's nothing like that then, right? Mid-90s, no, barely the internet's done. <laughs> no, we didn't have that. You know, but it was... It was uh, it was so awesome. You know, you walk off stage and there's like, you know, guys from, uh, you know, Black Crows like that were coming up on after me. And, you know, there were some incredibly surreal moments in our career that like, you know, you realize all these all these people are just people, you know, yeah, it's it's, like, that's, that's everybody on the planet, you know, yeah. presidents, uh, clergy moms sisters brothers grandfathers yeah. we're all just people that you know that's what everyone forgets i think at times the halo effect i think psychologists call that right right a halo on some you know just we're all people we all bleed the same color what about um the uh the angelina coming home then who is angelina and where was she coming home from and who wrote that beauty so that was a song that was uh co-written between brett and our co-writer mike nadok okay um, mike is from up that way um he is from hazelton oh. um you know and mike is you know mike is 100 percent just pure you know art as well and just like writes these um these awesome lyrics and so him and brett kind of got back and forth and they were writing together and so angeline was a song that mike had put together that brett kind of translated and turned into um you know what it became um you know mike wrote that song about a woman he knew that was kind of uh had some substance abuse problems and was coming you know angelina's coming home is kind of like she's coming back from recovery oh, interesting. Uh, you know you know and that's one of those things we never wanted to like necessarily spell out all these meanings behind songs because people are going to create their own meanings and draw their own lines there Metaphor, so, baby, metaphor. Yeah, and so, um, you know, who knew? I listened to songs uh, throughout our entire career, and, like, why did that song 
uh, you know, strike a chord more than another song. I don't know. I, I don't, I honestly don't know. It's like, uh, that's the thing that's out of your control. It's like, I'm proud of that song and it, it, it opened a lot of doors for us. Sure did. Well, I think, you know, it's radio friendly, but it has integrity. It's sing along. It's got a nice little uh, structure to it. It's got it all. It's a classic pop yeah. gem. Beautiful. Right Thanks. up there with the greats. I love it. All right. I liked you better when you hated yourself or however that one goes. I know mean, what? Yeah, <laughs> that's, a, that's an odd song, but it's wonderful. <laughs> that's a great song. That's one of Brett's uh, tongue in cheek. Um, For some reason, I'm everybody can relate to that in an odd way. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, it's good. I think it's just like I listened to that song, and even the first time I I read those lyrics, I was like, "This is this is really great." And even now, you know, I think that that's that's certainly a moment at our shows where it's a great sing along, and kind of people can connect to that. You know, at the end of the day, right? Like we're playing songs, and we're yeah. like, you know, we're out there, um, you know, doing our thing. So it's nice to not take yourself too seriously. Yeah, oh, I hear you, man. I hear you. Well, for me, a big a big uh, Badley's chord hits in 2002, I believe, with Renew. To me, that album, you know, if you're putting the, all your albums up on Mount Rushmore, that's up there with River Songs to me. Renew, I love. You got I agree. Renew. I think that that is, as far as, you know, songs, as far as performance, um, I am really proud of moments on that. You know, there's moments in, there's a song called See Me As A Picture that I think are just, if I had to- I love it, I love it. Right, if I had to say to somebody, if they asked me, you know, what is it that you do? I would play them that song and say, that's what I do. That's a great picture of, I think, you know, what the here, band here, is, man. great songwriting, awesome performance, just like, um, like the lyrics are really wonderful. I don't know, I, I just feel like that's a great representation of us. I agree, that's a great album. And Renew was just an excellent song. Uh, Radio at Night, Here Comes Love Is Rain, another, album i love so yeah. i think you guys were powering right through the late 90s into the new millennium into the 2000s things are going good but did the whole national acclaim mtv touring with greg allman was that already or am i superimposing things on you was that already in decline now by the late 90s early 2000s yeah i think you know we had done so we had done river songs right, right? um while we were on um Atlas A&M, uh, we then did a record called Up There Down Here, right? And this was our first record that we were kind of doing under that umbrella. Got to record, you know, at Ocean Way and a bunch of the, at Sound City, um, okay. and like a bunch of these awesome places out in California, uh, as well as up in Bearsville um, Studios in New York. Todd Rundgren's um, place. Birthplace to the band. I mean, like, that was like, you know, us, at, yeah. you know, encapsulated. So, um you know, and at that point, we had the record done. Now, um, Universal uh, swoops in and buys, you know, Polygram is sold. Um, you know, they basically just close that down all of their release schedule, right? So nobody could tour. Nobody, you couldn't tour because you didn't have a record to tour behind. There was no tour support. Um, this was like 90... 98 99 somewhere around there um you know and we were just kind of we were kind of like put on pause which for you know a rock band that had been moving so quickly when we were on our own yes yes um, you know it was incredibly frustrating because we were just like you know doing records touring doing records touring doing records touring and all of a sudden it was like we had a record done that we were super proud of couldn't go do anything behind it and that's when we started just doing we're like you know what other people have solo interests. Other people wanted to do, um, you know, other things. Um, you know, it, it wasn't a great time to be uh, tied to a major label contract. Oh, um, I see. You yeah. know, it, it just was uh, it was a really unproductive time. And so we spent a lot of time trying to get out of that deal just so we could do our thing again. You know? So what, that, are, what is everybody doing in their alternate life? You can't just be or can you be at least then I'm not talking about now in a band or can you is, is everyone have their own i know these guys are doing producing too brett and others engineering but like yeah. what are you doing at the time could you make a living you're in your 20s early 30s i don't know how does that no, work? Do you make tons of money on this i don't know i'm asking no I don't know. no i mean i think look um you know even back then you know blue collar artists like ourselves were just like you know you you gotta go work and you gotta 
tour and you got to go do your thing. Um, I was living in Philadelphia at the time uh, when we were trying to get out of our deal. Okay. Um, we couldn't tour. Uh, we weren't really playing even shows, you know, locally because we really didn't, you know, you want something to create excitement. Right. Um, you know, and that's when I started to get into the restaurant business. I was like, you know, if we're not going to tour, I need a job to just oh. like, kind of, you know, hold us over to the point that we get to what, whatever's next. Um, you know, and that's how I started working for the, the, the folks that I'm working with now. Um, you know, and just like I fell in love with the restaurant business. Uh, and, you know, I've always loved food and beverage. I've always loved, you know, been a, been a wine snob. So it was kind of like an easy fit. Um, and it also allowed freedom to kind of go and do, you know, when we would play and we would tour. And then all of a sudden, uh, you know, we so we had this record done uh, called Up There Down Here. Um, one of the gentlemen that we worked with at uh, A&M, his name is John Rotella. John went to work with Miles Copeland at his label, which was called Arc 21. Miles um, Copeland, uh, Matt Sting, and, you know, oh, okay. uh, Stuart Copeland's brother. So they wanted to take that record that we had for A&M and they basically bought that record from A&M and put that out on ARC 21. So all of a sudden it was like, oh, great. A record, you know, that we worked so hard on is finally going to see the light of day. Um, there wasn't a whole lot of support there, but we were able to still get out and kind of tour and do our thing. And I would um, say not as, not as, in my opinion, I know it's very subjective, not as rich with the songs as River Songs. So there's definitely a noticeable difference, at least in my judgment on that album. I think there were some, you know, it was, it was, um, it was an odd time. It was like, you know, there's a tremendous amount of pressure, you know, doing your sophomore record on a major label, you know, it's yeah, like, yeah. this was, you know, still the post grunge world. Right. Yeah, I mean, it was like, you're trying to figure out where you fit. Um, you know, rap rock was, uh, was just yeah, starting yeah. to come up and just be a thing. Um, you know, we were just trying to create, Great songs, you know, great recordings, and just do our thing. I think that, um, you know, my vision of that record and my memory of that record, I think, is colored by, you know, the. It wasn't a great time to be us at that point. You know what I mean? Like getting out of a major label deal. Yeah. And so the momentum of the bad leaves is slowing down a little bit. Yeah, it was kind of just like you just let all the air out of the balloon and it just was like, you know. And, <laughs> Speaking of a kind of negative tune on that is thinking in ways about death. Who, who wrote that yeah. and who's singing about planning their funeral? I mean, that's a so great that's song. A, amazing song. I think that that's, that's one of Mike's songs with Brett. Oh, that's um, another great one. That one together. Uh, <laughs> even now I listen to that and we played that song not too long ago. Um, oh, it's awesome. It's a, Super it's a happy, depressing song. <laughs> yeah. As long as I think for Brett, you know, he could speak more to this than I, but I think they became a little bit more introspective. Um, you know, it was, I feel that there's a weight when I listen to that. I feel like there's a weight on those songs, like a, like a heaviness um, over all that. And that could just be me projecting, you know, the way I was feeling at the time on those songs. It wasn't, um, it wasn't light and airy. Let's just say that. No, you know, no, for sure. For sure. And, but that's going back to you. You, I see you as the guy, when I listen to Renew, Radio at Night, like a Rembrandt, Angelina, these songs just, they uplift me. They, I feel the energy. That's the badlies yeah. that I like. And I know a lot of folks who disagree with me and they say, no, they like the bluesy part of the badlies. And that's where I don't. And you can't please everybody. I get that. But I don't like- Yeah, you're not going to please everybody. It's no, like, right. you know, but that's why the badlies work, right? Okay, I've always right. about, you know- to me, it's about the lift, right? I grew up uh, wanting to be Bono and wanting to be Robin Zander from Cheap Trick and Trick. Yes, so, yes. You know, that is, you know, to, and, and even like in my solo career now, it's like the songs yes. are about the lift, right? The they're, lift. They're about this is what I look for. Yeah, and it's like, that is not necessarily, that doesn't work 100% of the time. You know what I mean? Know, like that's right. not, um, and I still believe that there's there's great art in in some of our, material there that doesn't necessarily have that, you know, like super obvious launch, mm -hmm. uh, you know? And so, but that is why, you know, that is the yin and the yang that is the badlies, right? So it's yeah. like, um, and that is why it's just, it's, it's different. And it's kind of great because 
you know, in any of our solo careers, I don't think people want to see a watered down version of the Babies. You know, we've been able to make it different enough, you know, my solo stuff and Brett's solo stuff and like the stuff that Paul does and Jeff, does, way, way different than what we do within the confines of the Babies. And I had your solo stuff and I'm going to beg you to put it on Spotify because like the rest of the world, no one plays CDs or albums anymore. Oh, no, no. Like all my Pete Palladino CDs are, I can't listen to them. I don't have a CD player. So I need you to put them on Spotify or iTunes. Could you do yep. that? It's all coming. It's all it's coming, all coming. I, I good. All that, <laughs> yeah, all that um, new stuff uh, kind of created this thing called the Circa 68. You don't have is- to tell me about that. I'm well aware of it and I love it. I want to hear I want to hear more of the man I uh, was before. It's a great song, Circa 68. Oh, you got to listen to this. But that's yeah. very badly's like to me. Yeah, I think parts of it uh, look, I'm I'm still the singer. Um, yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, but like I don't know, um, you know, going back to where we were, you know, in in the history of the band, it's just like, you know, so you know, no, I don't think uh, all of us could make just a, a hard living just by sitting around waiting to be the badlies again. So um, everybody started to play and start to do things. I'm in the restaurant business and, you know, I know Ron was substitute teaching and doing <clears throat> like we're all doing different things, kind of as placeholders, just like <laughs> biding our time, treading water until we can kind of get back to do what we were doing again. You know, so I don't know if I that kind of came full circle. It was a long, long winded answer. It's always a surprise for for a regular Joe like me to hear of his superstar rock idols have regular jobs. I think it was one of the butchered brothers from Blue Oyster Cult. I heard he was a teacher somewhere in New York. I'm like, what? Blue yeah, Oyster yeah. Cult? He's a teacher? And members of 10CC, another band I really like. They're just having regular lives. I see you guys. Once you put out albums and once I know your songs, you're elevated to God's status for me, and then you can't do regular work. That's how my brain thinks, and I know that's yeah. wrong. Well, the perception is way different than the reality of it. I mean, it, <laughs> right? You know, the economics fell out of the bottom of, uh, you know, the, the music business, you know, and that is kind of why uh, happy accidents, you know, happen like I wound up in the restaurant business, you know. So um, the value, you know, was lost on, like, we spent all our time – and, and all our energy making this thing called a record, right? Um, you know, and that was where the value was. You then took that out and you, you sold your wares, you sold your record, <coughs> you know, and that you got behind it. Now, there's no value in the, um, in the right. actual record anymore. That is basically just your calling card so that people, you know, come to your shows and people do your things. So um, it just flipped and it's just like, it, we just had to figure out a different way to do things that that made it make sense. So for a band to really make a living, you know, now it's like you're on the road and you're on the road 300 days a year and you're like you're doing your thing. Um, and that's you know, got to suck. Uh, it 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 doesn't suck when you're 21. Yeah. Well, right? I was going to say at a certain it age, it's when got you're, to... you know, when you're 35 <laughs> and like beyond, it's like, you know, being on the road is um you know, it's not the best. It's like you spend 23 hours a day getting to the one hour a day when you can actually do what you love. Um, you know, and that's like, it's not really super productive. I think, you know, Brett has even said this. I think the most unproductive years of our lives as a band were when we were on a major label. Oh, um, man. It's because you're just like, you can't do anything. It's like you're, you're trying to move forward in mud. But speaking for you or Brett or, you know, maybe just your perspective on this, uh, especially when you were in your 20s and 30s, but still now, because I've seen you just months ago in Northumberland and the, the crowd loves you. You're a rock star. Back when you were just starting out, I mean, women throwing themselves at you. Could I, could I touch you? Could I, could I give me an autograph pictures with you? And then, and then five hours later, you're planning the food for a banquet or something. I mean, does that still play on your brain or is that, how does that work? I, I you know, I don't know. Am I, you know, it's all, silly it's for all me to being- ask? No, it's all being creative. Like, you know, what I love about the restaurant business is it's entertainment just like, you know, playing uh, playing a show. You know, um, obviously, I think in my, uh, you know, in my restaurants, nobody is throwing a piece of clothing at me, um, you know, but. Oh, but do they know your alternate life? They know it. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, look, the Internet is a powerful thing and like yeah. people find things, um, you know, look, tomorrow night I'm playing a show. 
with the my band Circus 68 down here. What? You know, so let me I'm write doing... this down. Can I come? Yeah, come on down, dude. I'm playing. A, it's down here in Long Beach Island. Do I, ser- I do, do I search Circus 68 online? Yeah, it's at a place called Bird and Betty's, uh, which is right here in LBI. You I know. seriously you might stop on? down. I might stop down. You come down. You see me. I would out. love it. And is it? Will it be a full show? Like, uh, you know, because as far as I yeah. know, there's only two Circus 60. There's only two Circus 68 songs out. Correct. Uh, yeah, that's all I put out for that. But I mean, like, you know, out of, we'll probably play for two hours. It's like, you know, I've got a tremendous amount of solo material that Work, I have right? put Will out yet. Badly stuff too, a little mix in or not really? I'll probably play Angeline and maybe Fear. Oh, this you is know, excellent. This is excellent. That, are, you know, that, that know the badlies as well. You I know, but we always try to keep it very, I want to keep it very separate. Okay. Um, you know, but... Yeah, it's like it's it's I I have a wife, I have a daughter, you know, and we all have families, and it's like so um, you know, this is all you know, who I am in the badlies is is part of you know this bigger picture as always, right? And it's like so, you know, yes, you get to see the guy that stands on stage and does his thing. Um, you know, I don't think that's a hundred percent of who any of us are. Um, you know, it's just like showbiz. Yeah, I mean, I, I love um, I love business. And so, you know, when we were and that's I, I learned all of it from running the Badleys as we all did as a business. Right. We were very smart and um, tried to make good decisions uh, and tried to understand all the deals that we did. Some didn't work out so well and we made a lot of mistakes. But like, you know, you try to not make the same mistakes twice. So translate that to being in the restaurant business. It's like. You know, I understand um, how the economics of it work. And, and so hopefully, you know, you can kind of those two worlds share, uh, you know, the economics of things. You know, we, when now when we're talking about doing shows and doing like little mini tours and, and records, it's like, you know, everybody understands that. How true. How true. So uh, to, to finish up here, you have, uh, am I correct? The next Badly show is this month, September 25th, 7 p.m., XL Live in Harrisburg, which is an awesome venue. I've seen many dan- bands there. Yeah. It's it's great. The sound is great. You can move right up to the band. I hate shows. Am I alone in this? When you sit in the theater and you're like this. Yeah, I hate that. When I yeah. go to the band, I want to be standing. I want to be, I want the crowd to be swaying with me. I want to work my way up and back. I want to be energized by you. And this is where you can do all that. Yeah, I think... Um... When we started playing uh, bigger shows and we were doing like festival dates and like some arena dates, it was very daunting to us to have the audience, you know, 25 feet away. And it was like, there was no, the, the live show for me has always been about that exchange. It's like a volleyball um, game. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like, you know, you are, you were there to experience something together. And it took a hot minute to figure out how to do that within the confines of, you know, the distance. Um, you know, but yeah, I, I love, I, I, I want, uh, I want to see the people. I want to feel the people. I want to feel the energy. That's what live shows are about. You I know, hear like, you, so Brand. I hear you, man. I hear you. Well, you Pete, so we so have yeah, that I'm show. Sure. So we have the show coming up in Harrisburg. Anything in that people can look forward to? We'll, uh, we'll mention this before we wrap it up in the future, into the fall. I heard you're at Jim Thorpe. Is that correct? We are doing a show, Jim Thorpe at the Opera House there. That's going to be awesome. Uh, fun thing, uh, you know, I don't know if we've even announced it, so I can announce it now. Um, ooh, 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 at, ooh, the, ooh. at the XL Live show, we're going to do um, River Songs from start to finish. I did not so, know that. Yeah, it's going to be pretty awesome. Oh, that is awesome. I love when bands do that. So you get your masterpieces and you play the whole thing. What's there not to love there? And yeah, other songs too, right? You're not just doing that. No, no, that'll be part of our set. Oh, that's yeah. excellent. All right, the Badleys, where can we find you? Uh, if you want to, all social media, you guys are plastered all over it. Yeah, hit us up on uh, Facebook, um, hit us up on Instagram, hit us up, you know, either, you know, personal or Badleys or whatever. Um, badleys.com as well is where you can find all the stuff. Uh, but we're excited to kind of get this thing rolling. We're, we're working on um, a new record right now. Um, and so that's great. The guys have been working diligently in the studio over the summer while I've been super busy 
uh, with my restaurants. And, you know, I'm excited. I'm excited to share some new music with some people uh, and just continue moving this ball forward. Has it been almost 10 years? Is it 2013, I think, the last album? Am I wrong? The Double Live? Chasing the brand new? Uh, yeah, if that was in 2013. Yeah, it's not. I can't believe that. that. I still see that as like a new album. You know what? This aging process kills me. And that's 10 <laughs> years ago, nine years ago. I can't take it anymore. Yeah, it's crazy, right? <laughs> and what about Circus 68? Come on. Come on. Anything? Doing, uh, yeah, I have more stuff like kind of in the can ready to go. And it's like, you know, I always wanted to create a world where the Circus 68 is basically, it's my umbrella to record and and create these little pop songs with whoever i want to play with so i do a lot of stuff uh just sending tracks back and forth with all my friends you know and they'll put guitar on this and send it back and you know put keyboard on this and send it back so um super fun project and just like really power pop like fountains of wayne like Weezer oh wow see we agree we are the this is why i have a man crush on you fountains of wayne awesome energy this yeah. is what I want. This is what you give me. I thank you for all the years. You have uplifted me and so many others. And the oh, energy awesome. you provide in your stage presence is awesome. And I love the Badleys. And I thank you for doing this. And I'm going to be that jerk who emails you before the show. And I want special treatment front row. <laughs> Done. <laughs> all right. Thanks, Pete Valentino. Please rock on, brother. Uh, Thank you're you. Best. Thanks, Curiosity. What are you so curious about? Everything. Mr. Curiosity.